Hello and welcome to For All Mumkind, the podcast, a podcast by mums for mums. My name is Pamela and each week I sit down and chat with a mum about motherhood, the ups and downs and everything in between. Today's guest is a speech and language therapist, a mum to three boys, Ollie, Andy and Luke. It's Emma O'Leary of Life with Tiny Humans. Hey, I'm here. <laughs> Thank you. That was quite the introduction, wasn't it? How are you doing? I'm wonderful. This is a new thing for me to be doing. It's a bit exciting. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. I'm kind of lost for words. Does that ever happen to me? Not no. really. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's lovely to be here. I'm delighted you asked me to do this. And yeah, hit me with your questions. <laughs> <laughs> so you are a clear lady. I surely am. A bogger L- at heart. As living I say. in the big smoke. Living in the big smoke. How are you finding it? I, yeah, I love it. It's actually, it's really funny (laughs) because I came to live in Dublin when I was, oh, when I started college. So back, way back when in 2005. But the reason I came to Dublin had nothing to do with the fact, of course, that I had a boyfriend at the time who was living in Dublin. I'd say my parents were only thrilled because, you know, Dublin's really cheap for accommodation. (laughs) But anyway, I ended up in Dublin because, yes, my now husband worked out all right in the end, mom. Yeah, was living in Dublin. So I picked my course based on location, something you should not do, but I did. Worked out fine. So, yeah, I came to Dublin um, for college. And as they say, I never left. I very briefly left. I went to Reading for about eight months after college just to get some work experience because there was no jobs here at the time. And then I came back and I used to always think... In my head, when I became a proper grown-up, still waiting for that to happen, uh, but when I became a proper grown-up that I would move back to Clare and we'd build a house, and now I just have accepted that that is never going to happen because I don't think I'd cope. I actually think my husband, who's a dub, would cope better with living in Clare than I would. Are you used to Dublin life, is it? Totally. I just, I I don't think I could function with not having three duns in a three-mile radius or, like, not having access walking Walking distance access to Little and Al. You know I love the supermarkets now. Um, I do love an L supermarket sweep. Um, so I don't think I could cope with that, like not being able to walk everywhere and being in the middle of town. And we live in the city centre, which is kind of a bit weird, as in our school run is down Henry Street, across O'Connell Street. Like, you know, that's yeah. where we're townies, like proper townies. Dublin for life, I reckon. Well, you know, never say never. Uh, and we do go home, sorry. Like, we, yeah, I you- go back to Clare... Um, Probably a little less so now that I have three tiny tears. So have yeah. you found the transition to two to three the biggest, do you think? Without a doubt. I, you know what it is? Um, it's for me, like from the get-go. So pregnancy-wise, I uh, don't have the most fun pregnancies. Now, really? I'm very lighthearted about it, but um, they're actually hell. Uh, mostly because I suffer from hyperemesis. Yes, um, it's great crack. It's really not. So... Uh, when I decided to have um, a third baby, I had to write a formal letter of request to my mother <laughs> asking permission to get pregnant. I, uh, no, it wasn't a letter, but I did have to ask her, was it okay if I got pregnant? Because I knew that I would literally be oh. redundant um, in terms of parenting for maybe five, six months. Um, but I also knew that we kind of, you know, that we wanted to have three babos. And so she kindly agreed <laughs> to allow me <laughs> to get pregnant. It sounds so weird. Yeah, when I got pregnant on Andy, yeah, we waited it out and sure enough it hit. And I think what was the hardest is just that you're literally not able to care for them. Yeah. Um, and you have to kind of accept that. <laughs> and then 
by the time I kind of got out the other side of it, I was just exhausted because my other two are quite young. So sorry, context then. Between Luke and Ollie, there is 19 months. And then between Ollie and Andy, there is 20 months. So that's a, yeah. that's a very small age gap. And very hard when you're pregnant and feeling terrible, but you still very much have two babies, yeah. so to speak. Um, so once I kind of got past that and then, you know, got through it, Andy arrived and I obviously have breastfed all my boys and it's always, yeah, super kind of worked out for me, luckily. Um, not something I had expected to do or get into, but it has worked out and... um. So you just kind of forget the intensity of those early days of feeding. And I'm very much like, let's say on Luke, my first, I would have kind of been up and out, like after five, six days headed into town. Um, like, you know, I just am one of those people. I can't sit still. Yeah. Um, and on Ollie, I would have been kind of similar. Like I'd have been heading off like into the sunset with the two of them in a buggy, you know, not a bother on me. And this time I kind of got what that whole... <laughs> like period of sitting and staying at home I just wasn't ready to be able to face the world with three kids it was just a bit like full-on and intense and you know like talk about being outnumbered we were outnumbered there was too many little people and not enough like you know adult hands to do what needed to be done but as time moves on like anything like you know Andy is now seven months and we just managed a holiday you know for five days with the three of them down in Kerry like not a bother like not no no actually it was pretty good apart from the journey home, um, you know, and it was amazing. And we, we had a few moments where we just kind of stood and like winked at each other going, fair play, like, look what we did now. That was, that was some, that was some good baby making, <laughs> you know, some of our best work here now, Michael. And he was, he was kind of winking back on, I know, yeah. So, you know, it, it definitely is just a period of like crazy intense, like it is overwhelming, but yeah definitely as time goes on. And I used to find that kind of with each, with each of them, even with Ollie, you know, and they get into their pattern and they're feeding a bit better or sleeping a bit better. And gradually, you know, um, another thing my husband said, why do we do this? Like they were, the other two were just sleeping and, you know, it was easy. And now <laughs> it's like, again, we love you very much, Andy. We're not sending you back. You know, he just, <laughs> it's just when you reflect it always, it always seems like that. And were they all the same? Is in, were they all, like, how were they for sleeping? Oh no, they're, they're all, all different. The so be careful there now, lads. Don't be having one baby thinking he's great and then getting all confident in yourself because then your second will come along and try and break you. <laughs> yeah, that's this is actually true story. So Luke was the dream baby. Luke was the baby that you... I spent my first maternity leave literally with Luke in a baby carrier, like skipping through the streets with a nappy in one pocket and a pack of wipes in the other. Just not a bother. You could bring him anywhere. He was just that child. Um... And like really easy going, like slept through the night, uh, 11 weeks, like even though he was being exclusively breastfed, yeah, slept like a dream. He was just easy out, great temperament. And then um, Ollie, <laughs> I laugh when I say Ollie because that's just Ollie. Ollie came along and he just basically made us realize that we knew nothing. We were actually novices all over again because he was a totally different kettle of fish, like like wouldn't be too like chalk and cheese the two of them he was very clingy not clingy he just loved me I mean why wouldn't you I'm lovely but like he was just very passionate about being with me all of the time velcro baby number one um and he had a cry I like to call it the contraceptive cry that's yeah so basically you bring in places that other people will be hanging out that didn't have kids and they'd Mm -hmm. see him and be like "Ooh, I don't want babies yeah yeah (laughs) 
um, yeah, the contraceptive cry I used to call it. Like he just you wouldn't break in places. Like I, he just used to. I don't know. He just he wasn't. He was very very different. Now I say that like, when you'd meet Ollie now, he is the most endearing, possibly the most hilarious child you will ever meet. Uh, people often say to me he needs his own Instagram account. It's possibly true because he is just such a character. Like he's gas out. He uh, he literally just makes me laugh on the daily. He's very very funny, but he is temperamental, and I think it's just yeah, he's just got spark. Um, so. It was very, very different. And then Andy came along and I'm like, oh, which way is this going to go? Are we going to get a Luke or are we going to get an Ollie? But the funny thing is then, you know, Luke struggled at different stages. Then when he got older, where he was a bit more of a a handful, not a handful, but just, you know, that things were harder for him at different times that Ollie then flew through those things. Um, Interestingly enough, Luke, my eldest, had a language delay. I'm a speech and language therapist. That's pretty bad for business. No, it's not. <laughs> but you know what? It was one of those things, like I got a lot of stick over it, like people joking on, Jay's now, that's not great, is it? Like you're a speech and language therapist. But he really, he struggled like with expressive language. So he understood everything, but he, he just wasn't coming together for him in terms of kind of expressing himself and getting his words out. Um, which for me was a really good thing, even kind of, I suppose, professionally, because when I went back to work after maternity leave, it gave me, really good insight into par- like parents yeah. like you know parents experience of that because for years sure for like like I don't even know how long maybe eight years I've been kind of working with parents and be like oh look don't worry and you know somebody saying that to you doesn't actually make you feel any better but yeah. I, I thought I think sorry that the lived experience of it was probably a good thing and he got it together um yeah funnily enough a week after I paid 120 euro for a hearing assessment to tell me he had the best hearing they'd ever seen on a child uh he decided to get it together and uh and now we can't uh, stop him from talking <laughs> and then it's so funny because Ollie is two and a half and he would buy and sell you he has language coming out his ears so it's just it's so funny how different kids are so so different yeah 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 it's and people say it's a different parent to each kid as well yeah oh totally like it's a totally different set of skills <laughs> like you you like cause alice is a really good baby and mm. like we keep saying to ourselves like almost reassure like te- reassuring ourselves like acknowledge the fact that she is a good baby oh yeah like she sleeps she's a great eater yeah. you know she's just a very good baby and all in my head i'm like you know you're not guaranteed if you have a number two you're it's not gonna, guaranteed yeah it's not going to be this like <laughs> I will honestly admit, so I said to you, like, the early days were quite overwhelming. And I remember kind of, so he was born end of October. And I remember, like, turning to my mom around maybe December time, coming up to Christmas, being like, is it just awful to say that I just don't enjoy spending time with Andy? Like, that's a very honest thing to say now. I said, I just find him really intense. And all he does is cries, cries, cries. Um, And at the time, I suppose, you are very vulnerable and it was very overwhelming and a big adjustment for the boys as well, that there was this baby and all of a sudden I wasn't lepping around the place doing arts and crafts and all the fun things we used to do. I was just this person that sat on the couch that fed the baby all the time, all of the time. And, you know, for a mother, I think that's really hard when you're sitting there and you want to be doing all those things, but there literally is no time when you have a baby who's feeding every two hours. They're not even feeding every two hours. They're actually feeding more often than that. It's two hours from beginning to beginning of feed. Um, and I think, yeah, I just found that really hard. And what happened then was come January time, it's like a a switch flicked in him and he just became like sweetness and light and he chilled and he just became this like very different baby. And like, I probably as well was in a better place, but no, he did. He just had a change. Like even, you know, my mom and other people were like, whoa, he's just so different. And now he is so laid back, super easy out. And, you know, he doesn't need to be up all the time. Um, 
it's yeah, it's interesting how that can kind of and can kind of roll out. So I, I often say, you know, hang on in there. <laughs> Those first few weeks are intense. They're anyway. really intense. Yeah, Do you yeah. remember um, when the public health nurse visited you? Mm-hmm. I think she said something about he's was it he's awake. Yeah, and weight. I remember you mm. you put up a post. And it really bothered you. Yeah. And it did. Yeah, I actually put up some teary posts about that. And you know, I'm an open book. Like I'm all uh, I'm all about having the laugh, but at the same time I'm very much like I'm honest and I wear my heart and my sleeve about things like about, you know, things like that. And I have lots of big emotions. But she came and you know, I was feeding him and he was feeding well, I knew, like at this stage, like, you know, third baby, I kinda knew what I was doing in terms of feeding, whatever, but anything else. And uh, yeah, so she was like, oh, like he's quite small. And I was like, oh yeah, like he is. But, you know, he was actually the smallest of my three boys because uh, Luke was nearly a 10 pounder. Yep, came out with a school bag on. Um, but she said to me, oh, you know, we, we're going to refer him. And I was like, oh, okay. She's like, we need to refer him to the AMO, something to do the centiles. And I was like, well, like, you know, work away. We can refer him, but like, I'm just... I'm just going to let you know, like, I'm not concerned. Like, he's he's feeding quite well, and I'm not I'm not really... I can see that he's thriving. There's yeah. no failure to thrive here, Um, whatever. So she's like, no, okay, well, look, we, we have to refer him. And I was like, yep, that's, that's grand, not a bother. So uh, she did, she referred him, and, and she left, and I was kind of fine about it, and I'm a real talker, so I kind of talked it out, and I was like, but I just... I don't understand why we're so fixated on his weight, and I know yeah. what they're process is they're going to refer him and I said it to her on the day I said you're going to refer him and all the AMO which is the area medical officer all they're going to say to me is to give him um, a top up or to give him some formula to supplement him yeah. and I don't really feel comfortable doing that so I'm happy to go to the appointment but that's not something that I want to pursue because I just don't think it's necessary if I felt it was necessary I'd be A1 Yeah. but I don't want to get into a situation where I'm disturbing what's working quite well and I know all the signs of what a baby feeding yeah. looks like and, and I think you know I am a third time mom yes. um, and I would, would I describe myself as, yeah, no, I'm pretty confident. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. I feel like I have it together. Um, and I kind of put my foot down about it and I was like, look, I'm, I'm happy about that. But I was just thinking if that was a situation where I was a first time mom and I was doubting myself and I wasn't sure, I, I'm pretty sure I'd have just been like, oh gosh, okay, well, his weight is down. Okay. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to do that. I just... I don't know why we're fixated on it. Why are we fixated yeah. on? And I, I sorry, like from a development developmental perspective, if there was failure to thrive, but I think literally as as like life goals, it just shows you in terms of weight that like we become fixated and obsessed with weight literally from the moment we are born. Yeah, it's and the very first thing to do is weigh yeah, the baby. It never ends. So we're obsessed. So we're, we're we're weighing babies, weighing babies, and then we're like, you know, then we get into adulthood and we wonder why we all have an obsession with, you know, with weight. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was one of those things that it, the funny thing is the AMO, I never got an appointment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm still waiting for it. I think we'll have probably have another developmental checkup before then. And yeah, like he's filling out and he's rounding now and he's got an old double chin. Quite proud of that. With the kids, like you obviously, you do so much play with them. All about the play. You're all about the play. <laughs> like your house just must be... The crack. Oh, such great crack in our house. Yeah, it's really funny because um, I play is just something that's obviously part of what I do at work. Um, but I've always been very artsy crafty. Um, and my mom is actually an artist, so my mom did a degree, like went back when I was an adult. So when I was doing my leaving search, she had always wanted to do um, like to do an art degree, and she hadn't been allowed. And she went back and she did the full degree when I was um 
in, in college. She was in college at the same time. Um, so I think there was always that influence. So my house growing up was very artsy crafty. My mom was always very hands on. We used to always be baking, making things like painting murals on walls in the house. Like it was a bit of a madhouse. I grew yeah. up in a madhouse anyway. Um, so I think that that just naturally kind of followed through for me. And it's something that I'm, yeah, I just really enjoy doing those kind of things with the kids. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to start sharing a few of these ideas and stuff um, through Instagram. And I hosted then, yeah, Play With Tiny Humans, where I did a week kind of featuring yeah. play with, with different age groups. And people just loved it. And I think the whole thing about it was, is just the simplicity of it. And people just started to get ideas and inspiration because I think we can very much fall in and out of love of play. And sometimes play feels like a chore that needs to be done in the day of getting things done. Um, And I was just trying to highlight, you know, sometimes... I don't know, as parents, do we feel oh, like it'd be lovely to get down and like get get to do some play, but I've so much to do. Um, and the whole thought around that, and I was chatting last night, um, I kind of did a takeover about this is, you know, play is the work of children. I, I say that and I love that quote. And the reason I say that is because sometimes we don't maybe acknowledge just all of the, you know, acknowledge all of the tiny and amazing things that are happening during playtime. Um, so... Yeah, so when kids are doing that, they don't need anything fancy. They don't need, like, fancy toys. We don't need to be going out spending 200 euro on this, that, or the other. The Actually, the most important thing in, in playtime or the most important thing in your child's life is you. And I always say, you are your child's best toy. So it doesn't really matter what it is. It's about kind of giving that undivided attention and doing it. And, you know, kids just thrive off that. So, yeah, it's lovely to have ideas that are like messy play outside or, yeah. you know, doing water play or making things out of boxes or doing things with sand. And I love giving ideas and inspiration around that, but I'm always pairing it back to, but you don't need to spend money. You literally, you know, whatever comes in through the door, you yeah. can do something with that. You can make something with that. And that is what your kids remember. So people, like when you ask people as well, like, you know, what do you remember? Like, what's your la like your memory of playing with your own parents or, you know, playtime? And my mom, like, used to be really hands-on and we do mad stuff with us, you know? Yeah. So I have a lot of memories of that. Or people often say they remember building tents with their parents. And I think Michael and I are two big kids that have three kids and that is very much kind of the vibe in our house. And I'm excited again now, you know, like you're not wishing your life away, but Andy is getting a little bit bigger. So he's on top of me a little less more, you know, he's yeah. not on top of me and it's not as intense. And I'm just so glad to be kind of getting my mojo back and getting time to be free and to do things with the kids because I really miss that. That's a really big part of my relationship with my boys. Um, and that's just, you know, that's how motherhood goes. There's times when you're very like caught up in doing things that are part of being a mother. Um, obviously minding Andy was the priority and I was very much enjoying being in that bubble. But yeah. for my other boys, you're always like that. That's mom guilt, eh? Where yeah. you're constantly like, oh, like this is so beautiful, but these, like I'm not doing what I'm, I'm meant to be doing with the, with my other boys. And it's just that juggle, I suppose, all of the time. But I'm loving that. I'm loving being kind of back in the zone. Um, and Luke, you know, is always like, you know, are we going to be doing special activities today? <laughs> so funny. And I'm like, I don't know if I have any special activities up my sleeve now today, Luke, but he's all about the special activities. And, you know, talk about Instagram or social media as you will. Like, uh, it's definitely kind of, you know, it puts the fire in my belly around kind of coming up with new and novel things to do to kind of inspire others. Yeah. And it's great because my kids, obviously, they get the, the positive fallout <laughs> of me coming up with that kind of elaborate activities and ideas. And some things are things that we do all the time. And some things I'm like trying to think outside the box. I'm like, oh, let's come up with something cool now today. And Luke loves it. He just really thrives off that. And, you know, Ollie follows suit. So, 
Um, yeah, it's something, I think it's actually only something I've come to realise in the last year, like even since Andy's been born, how much I love doing it because it's only when you can't really do it can't anymore do that you're like, oh, like I actually, I do really enjoy, enjoy this. Um, so yeah, play, all about the play. And you spoke about your mum earlier. Mm. Um, she seems to be a massive sport for you. Yeah, she's a rubbish. No, my joke. Because you describe her as a legend. <laughs> she is a legend, a legend of her time. And you know what? It's funny because I don't know, like, um, hey, mom, I know you're listening. Uh, I don't know if you can really, you know, when you say things um, about someone or you're thanking somebody all of the time, like to my mom. And I, I'm constantly, uh, you know, saying like how grateful we are. And it does start to kind of feel like it's losing meaning. Um, but from everything, from the get go, my mom... And I, sorry, always had an incredible relationship before I ever had kids to the point I kind of used to weird people out. Like we used to just, (laughs) I spend a lot of time with my mom. I get on really, really well. And we're really, really good friends. Um, And I would be very close to my brother as well. And similar, he'd have a great relationship with my mom. And yeah, then when I had the kids, I suppose it just stepped up a notch and she has, yeah, minds them. When I go back to work, she will be minding them. So she comes, yes, she comes from Claire on the train three days a week to mind the kids. She's hardcore, like she is That's hardcore. Um, and she's so funny. She's like my biggest fan. Like she joined Instagram. She follows everyone I follow so she can keep <laughs> up with what I'm doing. Yeah, she's really like into it. She's so, so supportive. So recently enough, I reached 10,000 followers and she was so funny. Like the whole day she's like, no, I'm just refreshing here, Emma. No, nothing yet. No, I keep you posting. <laughs> yeah, she's really like, she's really, in- she's really interested. And I, I, I really admire that about her because she has... I think she's just so proud of me and has such passion for what I do that she's very invested in keeping up with it and making sure that she's not left out so that she knows what's going on. Yeah. And yeah, she's unreal, but she's always been like that. She's been unreal since, I don't know, since day one. I have great respect. Talk about mom goals. My mom is mom goals. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I said it on my wedding day that like if my parents, I just think are exceptional parents. Yeah. They're completely selfless. They have the three of us and then they, we now have... Well, then I have four grandchildren yeah. and they have looked after each and one of them. So yeah. now today, Alice is with my yeah. mom and dad and I, I can be here and I can be happy to be here knowing oh. that she's being looked after and she's completely loved and they adore yeah. her. And then the cousins drop by and they adore her. It's you know, so, it's, it's so fabulous for them. Like it's, it's lovely. And yeah. it's, you know, like you say about parents being selfless and I think, you know, you know, that's what your aim and goal, like if you could be anything, like if I could be a patch off what my mom is, yeah. sure, wouldn't I be delighted with myself? So yourself and Michael have talked about the tree babies, it being your, your magic number. Mm-hmm. You're now done. My grand finale. Grand Andy, finale. my grand finale, yeah. Um, obviously you get all of the uh, famous question. You going for the girl? Uh, I love that question so much. <laughs> it's like when people ask you like, oh, is he a good baby? And you're like, no, he's an absolutely horrible baby. Like, <laughs> what, what, what do you, you respond say? to that? Um... Yeah, no, I don't have any burning desire to um, continue to populate the earth in order to get a girl. I am obviously destined to be a boy mom, and I'm absolutely fine about that. Uh, I'm more than fine about it. I'm sure I'm delirious with myself. Three is the number for me. Um, I just discussed earlier about hyperemesis and the toll yeah. that takes on me and how hard it is. Uh, making babies is not easy business for Emma O'Leary. Um, but, you know, yeah, worth it. You know, like, very much worth it. But I just don't know if I can give up another year of my life of feeling like horrendous <laughs> and at what point of your pregnancy does it start to kick in um probably from about kind of i'm trying to think it's all such a blur all your pregnancies kind of go into each other probably yeah pretty early on maybe four weeks three four That's weeks yeah quick. yeah it's pretty quick and then varying lengths you know so 
It's a delight. So lovely. And are you can are you like is it manageable day to day or are you oh, no, bed bound? Bed bound sometimes. Really? But to be honest, this time around, like it was very very bad. But I I made it into work, and sometimes I just kind of lay on the desk and work because being at home is harder because the kids can see you there. Yeah. And you're really unwell, but they don't understand that, so they still want you and need you. So yeah. I used to try drag yeah drag myself to work, um, which isn't very far away from my house, um, and just try and survive the day there, but not necessarily be seen clients yeah but I'm no like you, you muddle through you, you make it through and you survive it and people have varying degrees of hyperemesis it's something I think that I don't know I mean I'm very dramatic but not <laughs> not in terms of that that's a it's a serious yeah. like a, a really serious thing that people need to acknowledge and I think yeah I think more awareness is coming in in terms of hyperemesis and what it is that it's not just like it's not just not feeling well. Like yeah, it's, it's, a, not, like, it's not a bit of morning sickness. No, it's, it's extreme. It's like a, an extreme debilitating condition that is, yeah. yeah. So, and does it last throughout your whole pregnancy then? So luckily for me, and like I say luckily because so, so so many people suffer from it from literally the moment they're pregnant all the way through. So for me, I think, let's say an Andy, maybe 21 weeks or so, 20 weeks, Um, I it kind of started to phase out. On Ollie, it was probably about... 16, 17 weeks and on Luke I was really lucky by about 13, 14 weeks so it got longer with each pregnancy so can you imagine number four <laughs> no thanks no um, and look it'd be lovely but for me like you know I talk about all the things that I'm passionate about like around like getting out and about with the kids and travelling and playing and all of those things and I just feel for me to be able to give it my all that three is my magic number yeah and were the births all the same were they uh, I was induced on all my babies yeah, I invited them to the party. They did not show up, so we had to go in and get them. Uh, yeah, so I was induced on Luke a week early because he was a sumo baby. Yeah, was a week pounds. early, yeah, 10 pounds. Can you imagine? First baby, anyway. Whoa. Now, I was 11 pounds when I was born. Were you? Yeah, we won't even get into that. I was six. Okay, I would have eaten you, you eaten for you. breakfast. <laughs> yeah, I was You're huge. God bless you. See, when I had my own babies, then I even loved my mother even more. Yeah. Fair play to her. Um, so yeah, had Ollie, then he was a little bit smaller. He was maybe nine, four. And then we, Andy was only eight, six. I think, I think, look at me. I think I used to laugh and my mother couldn't remember details. I'm becoming her. Um, eight, six to me is a, like I would describe in t- typical Kerry terms. That's a fine child. Fine child. <laughs> fine child. Uh, nah, he's, he, he, to me now is just like a little dinky thing. Like even now, like he fits in things clothes wise, like yeah. he fits in things that are so, he's months behind, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but birth wise, yeah, I mean, Luke was probably the toughest, um, because he was the biggest. Sure, yeah. The other lad, sure, was the path well worn. Sure, look, you Popped know, out. <laughs> like literally, Andy, I, I had, oh sorry, I had um, epidurals in all of the lads, and um, it's yeah, it's funny because it was a different experience each time. But on Andy, something happened with the epidural, and. I actually have to share my experience of my, my labor on Do Andy it. was the funniest thing ever. I'm just thinking about it now. So we were in the rotunda. So obviously third time round and, uh, we were in the, I'd been induced and it was taking ages actually for it to kick in and for it to happen. But eventually, and you know, loving it. Like, cause I'm obviously sharing the whole thing on Instagram <laughs> and people are like any, I'm like, no, nothing, that's nothing's happening here. Just, just still chilling here in the, in the pre-labor ward. Um, so that was fine anyway and we were sitting there and I was slowly going into labour and I was I was in labour then and I was watching this terrible movie I can't even remember what it was of something about a pizzeria 
Michael was reading uh, Mick McCarthy's uh, autobiography, I think. And uh, so Michael was reading a book. I was watching a movie with headphones on, um, bouncing on a ball. And directly across the way from us were this couple and it was obviously their first baby. And she was sitting there and then he arrived with flowers. And then he went away and he came back and he arrived with cupcakes. And then he went away and he came back and he arrived with a teddy bear. And I'd say the two of them were genuinely just staring across, wondering what was wrong with the dysfunctional com- like couple across the way. So I was in the throes of labor. And every so often, I literally would just take off my headphones, stand up and go, make a grimacing face. Michael didn't even look up from his bloody book. <laughs> and then I'd be like, oh, that's passed. And put the headphones back on and back I went bouncing on the ball. So then intermittently, Michael be like, you're right there. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Just another contraction. He's like, yeah, cool. Like just like not even looking up from the book. I was laughing. Like we're madly in love, but there's just things. I don't know. Sure, what was he going to do? I didn't want anyone touching me or near me anyway. I was kind of in that like zone. But uh, yeah, I just, you know, like talking about kind of first to like third, like it's so different because you just kind of know what to expect and you yeah. know where you're at. And very much like on the third, I was saying to Michael, like, I was like, I think we should get you some gas and air. I was like, Ash, look, I'll hold out now. And like, you know, it's full on like in labor. And I was like, Ash, go on. Yeah, get it there, I suppose, in case like they disappear and we can't yeah. get it. So I'd say I had about 10 puffs of gas and air. And then they're like, oh, like you need to move. And I was like, oh, right, yeah. So we went down anyway. And I got the golden ticket as I kept saying, come on, Michael, we have the golden ticket. We're headed off. We're headed into the labor ward because it's hard. Sometimes they don't have space in it. Yeah. So we got the golden ticket anyway, Willy Wonka style. And, uh, yeah, so they gave me the epidural, but actually I was already nine centimeters dilated. <laughs> so the uh, midwife kept saying, yeah, like this isn't going to work. And I was like, yeah, it's working. She's like, no, no, it's not going to work. I was like, Michael, I'm telling you, <laughs> it's working. Like can't feel anything. And then she's like, now Emma, there's a contraction coming. And I was like, Michael, I literally could be pushing this baby out my nostril. I can feel nothing. Like I can't even feel contractions. She was having none of it. It was like she didn't believe me. I was like, woman, I know what's going on here. And I can tell you it's worked. Yeah. So I haven't a clue. Just literally, Andy came out. I have no notion how he got out, but he got out. It was grand in the end, but yeah, hadn't. To the point, like, that a couple of, like, a week or two later, I still had some uh, kind of reduced really? sensation. Yeah, I was a bit freaked out about it because I was like, oh my God, like, is my vagina broken? Like, not in a, but you know, I was like, is something wrong here? But yeah. no, no, it, it came back. It was fine. <laughs> that is super fast one with Alice. Like, mm. I, I was, like, done in about three hours. Oh, fair play to you. Um, Express delivery. Express <laughs> yeah. service. Is that, like, to unpostel that? <laughs> <laughs> it was super fast, super as like first time parents, you know, we were like, this is all very slow. And I was yeah. induced as well. And um, so everything was very calm at the start. And then um, it kind of just kicked off. And it yeah. was like, yeah, done no. in three hours and I'd she pop. But I got the epidural very late as well. Um, I think I was actually probably around oh, 10. Yeah, yeah. And um, it does work because I remember like there magic. is. magic. Yeah. Magic stuff. You can feel... The kind of, I don't know, it was like, would you just describe it as like a sensation? You can yeah. definitely feel it kicking in and you yeah. can just go and oh. kind of relax a little bit. Oh, totally, because when you're in the throes of it. And it's so funny because the anesthesiologist that I had on Luke, I had like obviously 19 months later, it was the same anesthesiologist <laughs> on uh, Ollie. And she wasn't much crack now. And I tend to be quite comedic in stressful <laughs> situations. So when I'm uncomfortable or in pain, like it like becomes a stand up gig. Like there was just, I just had everyone laughing because that's how I deal with things. And she came in zero crack, like no crack out of her. I was like, Oh, she's like, I'm, I was like, I know who you are. Just give me the magic. Just, just put it in. <laughs> she was just like, cause I remembered her and I was like, I actually, I met you before, but, um, it's funny cause there was a student when I was in labor on Luke, he was coming in and asking me, 
um, my permission, like, could he come and could he, like, could he be in the room? And I was like, absolutely. I mean, at that stage, I mean, yeah. I would have been quite prudish. At that stage, I literally wouldn't have cared if the queen herself came <laughs> in and asked to watch me give birth. I was like, come on in, bring your friends. Let's just get this baby out. It's amazing how, like, your dignity just goes, like, completely out the window, eh? Yeah. So, like, uh, <laughs> I remember being like, yeah, come on in. I was like, and have you ever seen a baby being before, born before? And he was like, oh, um, oh, just once in Cork. I was like, oh, do you mind that now? We do much better deliveries here now in Dublin. <laughs> this this is going to be a, a sight to behold. And it was so funny because eventually, anyway, Luke came out and... I remember before I went in for Luke, like having this whole concern about like having my toenails painted and where my legs like shaved and all this, like, geez, the notions you'd be going through, like in your head when it's your first baby. Um, and like, fair enough, like everyone needs to do what they need to do to get in their headspace. But I was really like, oh, my toenails and all the rest. And I remember just lying there, like literally stark naked after I'd had Luke, like literally with everything like hanging out. Uh, and this lady like kindly cleaning me top to bottom with a J cloth. And I'd be just like, I'd never turn to the midwife and be like, I'd have painted my toenails for this. <laughs> just <laughs> like, I suppose like, you know, expectations versus reality and not in a, I was happy out. I was like, yeah. look, I've just created this tiny being and I'm being cleaned with a J cloth and sure isn't everything grand. I was out of it. Absolutely out of it. You know, it, it was just really, <laughs> it's just, that's something that always stands out to me. Like the blue J cloth, like, you know, like that you'd have in the kitchen sink. <laughs> I was like, this is, this is interesting. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Let's go with this. But yeah. And, but one of the most, I suppose, magical moments, like on each, on each, you know, like it's on the second and third, it's not that surprising, you know what happens, yeah. but yes, it's like, boom, like it's, yeah, it's, it's insanely. And Michael's always in the room with you. Oh God, yeah. He wasn't getting out of that. But it's so funny because on Luke, when we were giving birth, he had to go to the bathroom on occasion. And he, he was like, you know, how do you like walk out and walk back in, but like not look at anything? <laughs> he wasn't down now. He wasn't down in front seat or anything. He was um, in the balcony area with myself, like not yes. not seeing any of that. Yeah, but oh no, absolutely sure. Who would I be shouting? This is all your fault too. If he wasn't in the room, <laughs> Michael is always um, great. And you know what? Like when you talk about like you know the magic when they arrive, and I remember always looking at like you know they they give you the baby and the baby's with you, but like Michael holding the baby, yeah. like for me it's just like whoa. Like, I don't know, like the first time I remember just being like really overwhelmed, like with just waves of emotion, very emotional anyway, but watching Michael with the baby going, oh my God, Michael's a dad, like Michael's a dad, like, but that must mean obviously that I'm a mother, but whoa, like that's weird. Yeah. That's just really, cause that's what you're seeing. It like, is in front of you. Yeah. But you know, I live like a seven minute walk to the rotunda. Oh, do you? Yeah. So I walked in to have all my babies. Stop. And then actually on Ollie, you're like, you're not meant to do this. So, uh, oh, like, let's keep this on the down low. But basically, you're not meant to leave the grounds. But I was like, oh, I just really want to watch the Gilmore Girls. And Mike was like, what? So anyway, I was in labor because I'd been induced. So we were like, we're just going for a walk in the garden. So I just went home for two hours and watched Gilmore Girls in labor. Well, like I was kind of starting labor. And then we just walked back down in labor. <laughs> I know, I know. What and were, then, you, were you in like your... No, it's, oh, I never get into my pyjamas literally until that baby is coming out. I just can't be dealing with it. So I like to be walking around in my clothes, like side tracks bottoms on or whatever. Yeah. And then on Andy most recently, I was like, oh, I just love Musashi. <laughs> like it's like, so I'd not the sushi like, but I just really wanted like, like teriyaki beef. So I was in labor again. Like I'd been a juice. Like I meant to be walking around and I was like, oh, we just sneak off down there now to Parnell Street and get an old teriyaki beef. So I did. And then later on we went for, oh, we went for breakfast and the old kingfisher across the way. I just, all the dining options when you're in labor. I mean, really, <laughs> when you think about it, that's bold though. Don't do that. Not recommend it. Um, but yeah. 
So after the three pregnancies, mm-hmm. which were tough, and the labours, how yeah. is your body now? How would you? Uh, fair play to her. She's a grand machine. <laughs> um, yeah, it's I. Uh, everything just kind of. It's funny. I I have a history of an eating disorder. I don't know if you know that. So I, when I was in my early twenties, was actually an inpatient um, around an eating disorder. Um, and. Then I went on, I got pregnant. I think everyone was really worried about me. I was totally grand at the time and I admitted myself and I was very kind of focused on sorting myself out and I did in quite a short period of time relatively. Um, but then when I suppose, when I got pregnant for the first time was on Luke, I really had a renewed kind of appreciation for my body. I was like, fair play because I have not given you great respect or treated you very well. Um, and here we are and you haven't failed me in that regard. Like everything has has worked out and I was I suppose very relieved in that fact so now yeah it's funny because I was only saying to Michael the other day you know I had a number in my head um that I know a weight let's say that happened way back in 2010 when I decided to go a little bit off the off the rails in terms of where I was in my headspace and I I had a number like I weighed myself I'd gone on a holiday to Florida and I'd come back and I was this weight and I was like I can't believe I'm this weight and like this is just awful I'm this weight and I just became really fixated on it and that I needed to lose weight and the funny thing was I had to I must have weighed myself or Michael had the weighing scales out we don't have weighing scales really in our well there's a weighing scales but I obviously don't stand on it um but oh I know what it was I was weighing Andy so I was weighing myself and then weighing him like with me on it whatever and I was laughing because I stood up on the weighing scales and what was the weight on the weighing scales it was the weight that I weighed in 2010 when I decided that I was like too heavy and I just laughed myself because I thought it was really funny and I was like jeez sometimes flying it like to be about you know to be at this whatever and I would have no qualms about it now I don't think about it I don't think about my weight I don't worry about like whether I look this or I look that because I suppose I just have a different relationship with my body now than I did then then I was very concerned with what I looked like what people thought about what I looked like did I look big did I look small um and yeah like like anybody like I've times been kind of going you know you know it's funny because I uh obviously was in Kerry at the weekend and like I was putting on swimming togs and like I was just going gosh like you know I haven't like put on swimming togs and it wasn't that I was like oh like I look great I I don't I wasn't feeling like that but I was going fair play these are the ones I had before and they still fit more so like from a functional point of view that's what I was yeah. thinking what I've put my body through and my, my mom would often say it like it's it is a toll on your body to bring three people so I've had four pregnancies three babies to put your body through that and what that entails and what giving birth entails and what breastfeeding babies for prolonged periods of time. So there literally has not been a time since 2014 where I haven't been pregnant or breastfeeding. <laughs> That's, That's an amazing uh, achievement. You know, like and, and you, you think to yourself, well, you know, you stand up and you see that number and you kind of go, well, hey, fair yeah. play. Like, what does it matter? It's irrelevant. It's a number and it is what it is. Yeah. Um, But it's a lovely to be on the other side of that and you know, and standing and looking back going, I just wish I could shake you and see that this is what was ahead for you. But you don't yeah. have that. You know, no. that's that's what, you know, that's what life is about and it's a journey and you, you get there and, you know. But I will be quite open, as I am about everything, <laughs> um, about that and about that experience and about that journey. And it's not something, it's something that would be held against you, I suppose. You know, the odd time it's been... Not that it's held against you, but mental health in Ireland is something that is, we're absolutely getting there, but we're not there yet, if, yeah, that, if you know what I mean. 
Um, and it makes some people uncomfortable to have those conversations. You know, it's like any of the conversations like talking about miscarriage, talking about like, you know, maternal mental health, talking about like eating disorders, talking about depression. It makes some people uncomfortable. But I think some people just need to be out and having the chats about it to kind of normalize it and, and yeah. be like, well, look, I'm comfortable about it. I'm sorry that it's not something that you're comfortable with, yeah. but it's part of my journey. It's part of my story. And it's something that I'm going to openly chat about. I think, yeah, when you ask me about my body, it's yeah, that will be my main thing. I wish that I could look back. And yeah. tell that person, like, look what this can do. Look what, like, you know, not bad now for now, baby factory. So it's that time in the episode. I have to ask you three questions. Okay, go for it. I'm ready. What would you tell your pregnant self? Uh, yeah, take all the naps. No, <laughs> probably, you know, because pregnant Emma is always miserable. Emma, just to kind of take it one day at a time. And that's for me. I found it very hard on e- each pregnancy to get past the day because I was so sick all of the time. Yeah. So um and for very the very first time and I knew the second and third time but like on Luke I had this inherent fear that I wasn't going to love my baby that sounds crazy but at the time I genuinely had this concern I was like mom like what if this baby comes like and I'm not really mad on it like you know, she's like it doesn't work like that Emma. I'm like oh well I wasn't very like into babies at the time but yeah. I suppose I would probably just be like you're gonna you're not even gonna be prepared for how much love you have for a baby. I, I just, I don't think I ever kind of got my head around. Like it wasn't until he came that I was like, oh, yeah. so this is what it is. You know, so. You, would, you wouldn't have been maybe like someone who'd run to baby if there was Oh, Janie. Like if somebody brought their baby now to the team meeting, I'd be like, oh, that's okay. Yeah. Be like, pass the parcel. Like, no, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I was the exact same. Yeah. So I did, yeah, I did worry. I was like, am I going to get this? Yeah. Well, it's going to be this? for me because I can't really give it back. You know, <laughs> it's going to be a bit awkward. No, but it turned out, yeah, it turned out I was pretty all right at it actually. So it was fine. I went on, had the other two. But yeah, that was a, a, a genuine concern for me. Like I kind of say it like half hour, like laughing now. But at the time I was really like, whew. Hope I love this baby because it's a common and yeah, yeah you know, but I did. Still lovely. <laughs> and now there's two more. Yes, now there's two more. So obviously it wasn't so bad at all. And what one product you couldn't live without? Uh, in terms of, yeah, you say product, but I would say person. And if like, yeah, my mom. Yeah. For really? Me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's just a really big part, I suppose, of of my life in terms of kind of rearing my boys and like her, a support and I suppose her advice and her opinions on things are invaluable to me. Um, you know, there's like, I've written posts coming out of my ears on like, you know, newborn must haves and what I did this and what I did that. And, you know, I don't think you actually need very many things for having a baby. Um, but you do need people and you do need support. So be that like family or obviously, Michael was quite uh, important in making babies, just to point out. Sorry, sorry, Michael. Uh, so he was quite an important part. But yeah, my mom and kind of support and family is what has been um, what I couldn't do it without. Definitely couldn't do it without. And finally, what has been your magic moment? Okay. Uh, I would say, and I mentioned it earlier, but like when, yeah, when each baby arrived... Yeah, that for me, like literally when you meet them for the first time, for me, that's been magic. Like just the kind of, whoa, the the wow moment. Um, But then there's just kind of those everyday like magic moments. So I said to you like about standing on Derry Down Beach during the week and kind of winking at Michael and being like, we did this. Like that to me is kind of like a whoa, like, you know, when you just stop and kind of go, 
oh, nobody's screaming or being horrible. <laughs> Let's just live in this moment. Um, you know, like everything is together and everybody is smiling simultaneously at the same time. Like that is magic, like when that happens. Or, you know, when you go for a drive and nobody loses it. Like, you know, like there are just moments where you're like, oh, like maybe we do kind of have it together. Yeah. And uh, they're just like, a, you know, every day, it's funny, you'll have a day, like, what's a good day, what's a bad day, but you'll have a day and it'll be absolutely horrendous. Everything will be terrible, everything's going wrong. And then one of the kids will just say something either, like, incre- insanely, like, sweet or just really, really funny and inappropriate. And you're like, yep, that's why I became a parent. <laughs> that right there. Thank you. You know, like, or sometimes Michael and I be outside their bedroom and listening to them having the chats and, like, they're inside talking about all sorts, not suitable for podcasts, like, they'd be talking about <laughs> all sorts of things and I'm outside and I'm like like this is just the funniest thing like there's just like two little people in there having a conversation about that and I just I can't like it's just too much for me <laughs> those are the kind of things so like you only need one little moment in the day to make all of the rubbish kind yeah. of completely and utterly and they're the things that I think over time you'll remember those memories like they'll, they'll etch in your mind forever yeah. not the, the st- stuff when everything just falls apart in you 100% and that's the f- like you remember the highlights like no one said that like motherhood was going to be easy or perfect but no. Jenny great crack you know <laughs> there's fun along the way fun along the way exactly yeah so yeah well Emma thank you so much for coming in thank you um I'm getting my lint sweet now aren't I you absolutely are <laughs> we're rewarding her through the episode with some sweets <laughs> um no thank you so much for having me it was yeah it was really lovely um just to have the chats and who knew i had so much to say (laughs) i'm not one for talking and emma is at life with tiny humans on instagram and on facebook yep what am i gonna do with a grow up i don't know answers on a postcard (laughs) keep them tiny (laughs) yeah thank you for listening to the final episode of the first series of for all mankind I really hope you've enjoyed the first series as much as I've enjoyed making it. The feedback I received has been nothing short of overwhelming and thank you to everyone for sending me and my guests such positive comments. I want to thank the 12 beautiful mums who took the time out of their day to sit down and chat with me. I hope you found them interesting and it helped to you on your own journey through motherhood or at the very least they gave you a good laugh. I plan to take a short break but I'm already working on guests for series 2. But in the meantime, if you want to stay in touch, please head over to my Instagram at For All Mumkind and say hello. And I'm looking forward to seeing you on the next series of For All Mumkind, the podcast.